Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Graves, former France hooker Benjamin Kayser, and ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman Johnny Beatty. We're on Rugby Pass this season as well as all the usual podcast platforms and we've got the home of the top 14 Premier Sports on board with us as well. Premier Sports is a place to watch every single minute from each game of the new United Rugby Championship as well as being the only place to watch live top 14 in the UK and Ireland from each and every round. So watch the biggest names with all the games live on Premier Sports this season just Check out premiersports.com to subscribe today from just $12.99 a month on Sky, Virgin and the Premier Player. We will get into chatting all about France, the top 14 and more in a minute. But Benji, how are you doing? Because we recorded the podcast quite late last week and you missed your flight the next morning. Boys, I had a shocker. I (laughs) had a shocker. So I was in London basically when we recorded and I got chucked out. So my first, my, my Wi-Fi fell. Then I realized it fell because they switched the place that I was on. I was getting kicked out. So they switched the Wi-Fi off. So I couldn't really reconnect in the street under the pouring rain, whatever. So I apologize. And I texted Francis, could by have. the way. And, um, <laughs> we covered for you, don't worry. <laughs> and uh, and then the next day, obviously, with my fantastic organization, organization skills, after an hour and a half train to get back to my house, I forgot to book a taxi. So I was like, oh, it's fine. I'll just drive then because I need to go to Heathrow. And I uh, got to Heathrow for the 650 flight and I'm looking everywhere for the flipping gate and I can't find it. I can't find the 650 flight. And the woman was like, because there is there is no 650 flight. It's a 620 flight and it's five to six. I'm like, I can still make it. Come on. No, but security won't let you through. All right. So give me a nine o'clock ticket, which was the next one. And I'll race through security and I go through and at six o'clock exactly on the dot, I'm in front of the gate, right? in front of the given date it's still saying boarding beautiful except there's a shut door so i kick it in the lady does not like it (laughs) looks at me who the fuck do you think you are said no no, no, but i'm on this flight i'm on this flight i know you're not because look at me look at your boarding pass at nine o'clock but i was i just changed you know i don't know in the end she took it very badly and so i sat on the bench (laughs) i sat on the bench for 20 minutes watching my flight take off it's not like there was a bus or there was a tunnel or there was anything, right? It was only thing. At six o'clock in the morning, after being, you know, back at home at midnight, up at four, that was a long morning. And and I hated your guts, basically. I don't know why. I had, it was I had to I, I I had to find some sort of culprit in, in, in the end. And so you guys were the first the first two closest. So I was like, ah, stuff it, it's on them. <laughs> We're sorry. I've just got mental images, almost like Dumb and Dumber, of you running off the end of the walkway and just oh landing splat. <laughs> I would have tried. No, that was no fun. But listen, I'm back. I'm there. 
I'm young and I'm unbreakable, so I'm ready to go. And was there some karma, Johnny? Because you've had some travel issues of your own, haven't you? Well, I was doing the Premier Sports game for La Rochelle against Toulon last night up in Paris at the studios, and they completely forgot to book any travel. Basically got up to leave this morning and like went to check in and there, there wasn't anything to check into. Upshot was they said, look, we can, we can book your car and you can drive from Paris to Spain, which is essentially where I live. Um, and so essentially... Long story short, managed to find the last plane out of Paris to Bordeaux this morning, jumped on that and then drove from Bordeaux uh, down. So it's a late start because it's a nine o'clock game here. You get back to hotel about half one, two o'clock um, and then up this morning and I drive from Bordeaux down to the southwest. So not quite as bad as Benji's, didn't quite have as much rage, but yeah, not exactly fresh. Well, we analysed Fabien Galtier's 42-man France squad for the autumn last week and we chatted a bit about the captaincy and today just before we recorded, it's been announced that Charles Olivon's replacement as skipper is Antoine Dupont. So you surprised, Benji? I am, yeah. Well, the, the, the quality of the play obviously is not in question. Um, he, he had a stormer of a game again at the weekend. He's just... Again, let's just hope. Let's just hope he doesn't blow up. He's not too good to be true. And then in 2023, he'll still be there, fit, ready to go. I think he's peaking way too early. I mean, stop playing now. Just put yourself in the fridge and wait. You just you ask you, you question how how good can he possibly get? You know, it really gets to that point. I just think he didn't need it in terms of added pressure. Hmm. I just think he's already way, way, way spoken about enough. Not in France. Not in Europe. In the world. Uh, how many times did the, the, the you know the your opposite number in the All Black side who's got what 100 caps for for the All Blacks, Aaron Smith? You mention your name as the best rugby player in the world at the moment is just it's 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 something. Uh, so he's recognised everywhere. I just think he didn't need that extra pressure. I just think you, you want to let him do his thing. He's an instinctive player. You don't want to add an extra responsibility now. Charles Olivon isn't there. I thought Anthony Jolon did a good good job in Australia. Maybe, maybe there's a possibility that Anthony Jolon is not in in the staff's mind a complete starter for the three games. Maybe they want to add a little bit of you know mix things here and there. They absolutely love the lineout caller between Crotin and Cross on one side. Potentially put Macalou in there. Potentially give a shot to Young Diallo, especially against Georgia. So maybe they're thinking they want a captain, you know, to take the whole series. I don't know. And they had to take a decision. I, I obviously would have would have opted for for Julien Marchand. I think he's got it. I think Gael Ficou is definitely there because of their responsibilities that are taken in club because it is sort of a, a trade. It is um, a proper a proper how do you say that a distinctive trade within within a game of rugby. So surprised now. Can he handle it? Absolutely. Can he do a good job? I'm sure he won't be alone doing that job. So as long as they name those four or five guys, I'm very happy with that. And it was great that there was actually competition for the role, but still surprised that they wouldn't go for the safest option, which was do not add extra play, extra pressure to our top player. And the fact that Benji mentioned there, he doesn't captain his club. Does that matter, Johnny? And, and what kind of captain do you expect him to be? I don't think it does. I, I, I think I called this last week, I don't know. I nominate, I put him, so Fabian Galti must listen to the podcast. There, now we know. <laughs> But I think it's an easy decision. He's clearly the best player, like head and shoulders above the rest, going to start without doubt every single game. The rotation, I think, will happen for Georgia, but he's steady, he's unflappable. Like having played with him, he's always going to be part of the decision-making groups anyway. He's in a leadership position week in, week out for Toulouse as a scrum half, as everyone is in France. So he leads from the front when he plays. He's mature, he's steady. He's not somebody like you said that added pressure, Benji, but like I'm not sure if there's another player on the planet right now that has that much attention in his direction. Like he has so much. The media constantly in France is talking about him all the time. 
the social media stuff pressure all the time. So I'm not actually sure the added pressure of being captain will be felt that much by him. Um, he's that good. He's that talented. But then he's so chilled at the same time. Like having been in a changing room with him at cast, he's just a placid bloke who goes about his business uber professionally. And he's just a beast physically. So I think it's a great choice. There's also a possibility of, you can imagine sort of Fabian Gelche sitting down with the three, four guys and telling them, listen, it's going to be one of you. We trust you all to be vice captains or whatever you want to name them. And then Julien Marchand being like, listen, you know, um, because I know him personally, he is a very, very steady, steady guy. And he'll mm-hmm. be like, I'm, you know, it's not my, my time, my place, my this. Gael Fiku will be like, listen, I, I adore to stay a vice captain. Let me do my thing. You know? And, you know, and sort of look at Toto Dupont and be like, you, you take it. And, and, they, and yeah, like you said, because he's got the shoulders, because you can't potentially add any more pressure or scrutiny that he's already under. And he probably said, yeah. I'll do it. Like, like he probably does carries around the rug. Goes, yeah, I'll take on all the big fellas and smash them and, you know, run around them and then so run for 45 minutes against Cass. And yeah, I'll just offload inside and give a try to a common move. Because that's, that's how he plays at the moment. Everything's like, yeah. easy. <laughs> is that all? But the cool thing is, Benji, like how good to have that leadership group around you. Yeah. Like those absolutely. boys you just mentioned, they're awesome. Like awesome guys, great players. The team's functioning well. So, it's a simple choice. The question for me now is, does he keep it? So you've got Olivon coming back potentially at the turn of the year, but like time doesn't stand still for anybody in rugby. It's a young man's game. And you look at the people that are going to be given an opportunity. You've got Cretan, you've got Ko, you've got Aldrit who's going to start, you've got Makalu. And you sort of ask yourself the question, if he comes in Toto Dupont, he absolutely kills it over the next couple of months. Why would they not just keep him on? You know, because he's that good. Let's be honest. It's it's possible, and for the symbolic, Fabien Galtier would love because he was the captain of the first team in two thousand three. So he might, you know, he 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 loves to sort of be the mastermind behind something and say that if there's a relevance for the captain to be absolutely in the center of things, you know, Philippe Saint Andre was a fantastic French captain, but there's always a joke that when you're a winger, it's very complicated to be captain, right? Because you need to influence the you need to influence the ref, and that's why hookers are always there. That's why number eights are always there. That that's that's why back row is there. You just need a guy who's constantly in the mix. And to be fair, a nine is constantly in the mix. Is exactly at the right time where the ref is. They pretty much, you know, um, shadow each other. So it makes sense. Elsewhere in the France squad, Farimi Vakatawa has been ruled out and he's been replaced by Emeric Luke. So how big a blow is that for France generally? And does it make it more likely that we might see Roman Entomac and Mathieu Jalibert start together? I think it's a big blow physically. I don't know if you agree, Benji, but the, the physicality and the dominance that he brings to that midfield, like Fiku's a different type of player, still very physical and a big presence, but the X factor that he brings will be missed. Maybe a good excuse. Apparently they've been training together today as a pair, two guys that are insanely talented. Why not? Like chuck them together, have two playmakers, two eyes, different types of players to when you'd have Fiku and Vakatawa in the midfield mix. So you're losing a bit of physicality but what you are getting is vision creativity and the ability to distribute with the second playmaker so look, you've got two guys that are insanely talented why not chuck them in it's a big first test against Argentina but but why not like they're that good they've got the potential they're both capable so it's exciting also I saw Intermac play the last 25 minutes against Cast at 12 I'm not sure if that was something it was a message being passed on by the French coaching staff but Definitely capable. You've got two books there that are outstanding. So why not chuck them in? But how many times have you heard that there's a message sent by the coaching staff uh, that was actually applied by then the the, the, the top 14 staff? It's, it's a big, big deal. Yeah. I think it's barely ever happened. And it happened two years ago when 
uh, Bordeaux got um, Maxime Lucou, the nine, who's back in there, and got what's the name of the big uh, second row, Cyril Cazot, and all those guys who were a little bit, you know, picks out of nowhere. And Rafael Ibanez came out as like, to be totally honest, these guys were pretty much picked by Christophe Furios. Because we back the top 14 coaches. If there's one person that knows his players inside out, it's the guy who sees them on a daily basis. And it's the first time ever that we heard that, that type of chemistry between top 14 and sort of the federation, that type of, you know, consensual uh, bow, double way, duo way, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, communication, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And so for Hugo Mola, who comes from a club like Toulouse, where Guinoves basically shut the door to all the French coaching staff for years, Nobody was even allowed. It was like near the cathedral. No, nobody could step in. It was theirs, uh, their kingdom. And now to hear, I don't think it's it's only symbolic. All of a sudden, Romain Tamak playing 12 for 30 minutes, whatever, in a, in a good game is absolutely no coincidence. And that's a very, very good sign, a healthy sign of, of partnership and collaboration. Um, but just to go back to Vakatawa, of course, it's a big blow. But let's not forget, it's Vakatawa and Arthur Vincent who are both missing now. And Arthur Vincent was already a big deal. So... I think it's to say if they had both their, their guys, if they had their starting 15, where they could pick and choose between Gael Ficou, Arthur Vincent, Verimi Vakatawa, that's the only solution where both guys don't deserve to be on the pitch. And like Johnny said it, now that their circumstances have changed, hell yes, you need to have the two guys there. He's played a lot of 12. It can't be, it can't be a problem. Uh, the only thing for me that's truly a problem is that to beat the All Blacks, because that's the, the, the goal of the, of, the, of the November tests, You need your, your X-Factors. You need your top players to be on the pitch. You need your game-breakers. And Vakatawa is definitely that guy. So, so you're going to miss him. Um, you're going to miss him dearly. And Romain Tamak is absolutely extraordinary. One-on-one, -on -one creating space, creating uh, circumstances. He's just not the same athlete as Jeremy Vakatawa. So, so it's going to be a different game plan, probably. Um, but it still is, obviously, every loss of that type of, of player is a big blow. Let's turn our attention to the top 14 now then. And we spoke about him maybe moving on at the end of the season a couple of weeks ago. And your mate Morgan Parra, Benji, has set a new record, hasn't he? For most consecutive successful kicks at goal in the top 14. 48 is pretty impressive, isn't it? No, he's, uh, he, he's got nuts of steel. <laughs> he's, he's got the biggest, biggest... He, when you want a guy who to be reliable under pressure... He's 1,000% that guy. Um, he, you know, there's guys who just take a whole different dimension as soon as the stakes are higher. He's completely that guy. And that's why his kicking ability is not necessarily about his technical skills. So he's not, he's not particularly a powerful kicker. His precision is, is on point, but it's just the balls to do it. And the, uh, the, the, the summum, the, 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 the pinnacle of this is 2017 final that I played with, with, our few, with our guest who's going to come on in a couple of minutes. And in 2014, he, if you, uh, 17, sorry, if you look at the last 10 minutes, he's got two incredible shots that he needs to take. One of them, he's competing for the ball. He gets the ball after being smoked by some sort of second row, Gorgodze, I can't remember who it was for Toulon. And then he slots it. And then a couple of minutes later, there's not a penalty and he slots it. And obviously he gives us the, the winning penalty by competing on the ball and then we, and then we kick it out. So he's, he's under pressure. He is absolutely extraordinary. Um, extremely proud to have to have played with him. So chuffed for him that his his name will be for other different reason in in the history books uh, for that consistency and that and 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 that skill. Knowing him, he'll be happy with it. But he will swap it for a lot of other titles, a lot of good things. He doesn't really stop to these things. But it, I think it's just a good celebration, a good uh, you know, a blink of an eye to somebody who really deserves it. Again, who's got an absolutely massive pair as as soon as. 
things get really, really tough and, um, and I'm very proud of him. You mentioned the mental side of things. Having played with him for so many years, how much of it is natural ability in terms of his kicking technique and how much of it is hard work and practice? No, so, so he works hard. When I was, um, when I was just starting at Stade Francais, it was the last seasons of Diego Dominguez. I don't know if you remember him, the Argentinian born yes. the Italian kicker. Oh my word. Do you want to see? I mean, Johnny Wilkinson, I'm sure trained a lot. Diego Dominguez, mate, flipping out. I mean, hours and hours and hours. It was just absolutely, you know, ginormous, whatever you want to say. And there was always this joke that he would always ask, you know, somebody at the end, oh, um, have you got a minute for me? I was like, yeah. And obviously I was 18. I was never going to say no. And he just stayed behind the post. And all the boys would laugh. Yeah, Ben's ready to help. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'll help. I'll help. And you would end up staying for hours. But I mean, hours. And oh, can you do some passing with me? And you know, he's this big blonde guy with blue eyes, beautiful, always tan, very gorgeous wife, gorgeous children. You know, he's like, like the son of God. And they were like, oh, Benji, uh, can we do a couple of passes at the end? And, like, eh, sure. and you'd be passing, passing, passing. And you, you give him a pass and then he just doesn't catch it, just whacks it. He's like, pass the mail, shit pass. Don't ever do that again. Oh, okay, sorry. So you pass it and he smiles again. <laughs> and you pass, you pass, you pass. And he's like, never again, pass the mail. Concentre-toi, Benjamin. <gasps> okay who the hell is this dude he's just a, a, a crazy a crazy trainer overachiever well morgan if you flip, if you flip the coin is completely different morgan is laughing morgan is, is a better he's a gambler so he'll be speaking to you come on 10, 10 bucks for this one you know 10 bucks for that if i hit this one twice you owe me this he, that's that's how he, he gets he gets wound up but he still trains obviously not with the same methodology as Diego, but 100 percent his technique is or his ability is all down to his to his mental capacity. He's I've never seen such a such a ball breaker to be honest uh, on, on a daily basis. But he he wants to win at everything, but to the point where he's ready to you know to bite your face off and cheat and trip you down and push you down the stairs if it's to win. He doesn't care. So at cards, at any sort of t- any argument, you know you will say white, 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 white. He'll say black just for the sake of it because he wants to go against everybody else and fight everyone. And, you know, he's, a, he's got that revolutionary side about, uh, about him. But obviously that, that power and that resilience and that grit helps him when he's about to step up and take important kicks. And mate, any intel? So obviously he's been offered, a, I mean, you don't want to say this because your mate, but he's been offered by Claremont. It's still sitting there. And apparently his old mate Gonzalo Caseda has offered him a start front seat. Has there been any movement? Does he, does he know where he's going yet? Or... No idea, mate. No idea. But um, I think, but I think Paris is definitely on the table. He was the best goal kicker you ever played with, Johnny. It definitely wasn't me, mate. Um, <laughs> I, I had a few. I had Martin Bustos Moyano, who's got the world's best Uno Brown, an Argentinian boy that I played with at um, Montpellier and Bayonne, kicked us up um, to top fourteen, and with Scotland actually as well. When you talk about Morgan Para, it just reminds me of Greg Laidlaw. So I have no idea how they got on in the same team because they're very similar they personality types. Well, there you go. Um, but, but two guys that are ultra competitive, like Greg, if it was ping pong, if it was golf, yeah. if it was cards, the exact same, just scrapped for every single inch. You're playing pool, the same. Like He was just gifted at everything because he, he practiced so hard, like repetitive practice, whatever you do, you get good at. And Greg is just belligerent the exact same way that mentality wants to win wants to scrap knows he's not physically the most gifted but will scrap for every single inch um so martin was amazing greg laid amazing chris patterson was also really good so between him and greg anything that was in the 22 was a sure thing anything outside the 22 is another question but incredibly accurate they just practiced the hell out of it they were just so committed to being the best they could be and repeating that over and over and over again 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Well, let's stick with the Claremont theme then and get one of your former teammates on the show, Benji, to talk to us about how they're getting on at the moment and how John O'Gibbs is settling back in. Claremont number eight, Fritz Lee joins us. How are you, Fritz? I'm great, thank you. No injuries, which is always good. Good sign. A little bit of a bub in the beginning of the season, but you know everything is going well now. So uh, looking forward to to finish the next couple of weeks before we have the November break. Hey, talk to us about about Jono. Obviously, I, so you and I know him quite well. Yeah. Everybody was super excited about him coming back to the club. For those who don't know, there's there's a huge culture of overtraining <laughs> at Clermont. Yeah. Like they absolutely beast you for a long, long time. Apparently, Jono, tell us Fritz if I if I got my info wrong uh, right but flipped the module around a little bit and preseason was actually not that crazy. And he sort of said, you know, we will peak form when we peak form. Yeah. doesn't necessarily need to be August, but then be completely drained by December and let's try to do things differently. So is that what you think could sort of explain a little bit the few bumps, like you said, at the beginning of the season? Exactly what you're saying. Um, it's quite refreshing that Jono came in. A lot of new ideas, you know, obviously with, with uh, the technical side of things, but it, the thing that I enjoyed the most was the preseason. Out of my probably 10 years of playing rugby, it's probably the easiest preseason I've done. The whole theme of the, the preseason point, obviously because we had a shorter, shorter preseason this year due to the COVID, but the whole theme for him was everything was technical rugby. And then secondary was, you know, fit, you know your, your fitness and everything else come behind it. So this year we did a lot of, lot of games, a lot of uh, rugby-orientated training. We didn't, I don't think we ever did. We did the Broncos one, the test, the, the Broncos test the first day. 
And that was about it. And then every other day was skills, which was for me as an old fella is pretty refreshing. But you know, me and you know John always uh you brought a lot of new ideas. You know, I don't know where you learned it from in when he was in Ulster or in Waikato or La Rochelle with uh Ogara. But he brought a lot of new things into the club, uh in terms of uh rugby wise. I think it's Quite refreshing for for myself and you know all the young guys coming through the academy as well. So, uh, but he's still the same. He's still sort of you know very driven. Likes a Guinness. Like Guinness <laughs> to take all the responsibility and make sure everything it's on. You know he's very detailed as well. So uh, it's quite refreshing for myself. But you know it's quite good learning for the young guys coming through as well through the club. Do you remember that video session where? Because so John was one of the coaches. I only had him when I was. 30 from 30 no from 30 to 33 something like that so i thought you know that i i didn't really have much to learn technically obviously i started learning about game management and he taught me so much like he was really one of the only coaches who constantly every single habit that you've got whether it's you know jumping in a line out whether it's the your passing ability you tackle with right shoulder why there's always a why somewhere but explain yeah. to me why and if you can't explain it well then go and look for it why because surely there's a better way of doing it And and that's that's his whole mind process. I remember this video session where I thought, "Fuck, he he is pretty clever. He's always got a side angle to everything." Remember this this um, this video where he only showed the beginning of the drop kicks of the the kickoffs, and yeah. he could see Camilo Lopez in the middle, you know, showing the ball, kicking. The ball was in the end, and he would pause. Where's the ball going? Yeah. Well, we don't know. We don't know the rest. And he skips to the next one, and the next one, and the next one, and and none of them, no, nobody could find the sort of the answer. I was like, "Where is he getting to?" And then John was like, "Nobody can tell me. Are you sure?" He's like, well, Kemi, what does a ref ask you every single time you kick? He asks you where you're going to kick so he can stand on the opposite side so he doesn't bother you. And you were like, shit, you know, 15 years of rugby, I never really thought of asking the question. It's a big old indication if you could know on which side the kick was going to go every time of the kickoff, right? You want to know everything you can sort of before before it happens. Actually, like, yeah, he is clever. likes to play mind games with you. Uh, yeah. I mean, every review is it's never going to be the same. You know, whatever we play a game last week, and he's always have new ideas. He's always two steps ahead of you know of, of all of us. You think you had a good game, and then he'll put you up, and, and the whole review of like you know, with the first game against Leon, um, we had a piece against Leon. I thought you know I had a, not a bad game before old fella. You know, running around, the first couple of clips John put up was all Fritz. You know, he he was asking me questions. Why why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? Why didn't I was like. Actually, it's a good point. You know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't looking at details that he was he, that he was picking up. I think that's his strongest point is the details. He likes to focus on everything that's going on in the lineup. By example, from lifting to your feet work to your dumping to everything. In the games I've watched, like when you do hit your straps and you get into multi phase, you're dangerous. Like you're so good to watch. You you're enjoyable to watch as a team game breakers, well organized. Like the one that I was going to ask, everyone talks about him. And his detail and his themes and, and how deep, like in Ulster, they absolutely loved them. Larachelle was the same. Like one of the sticking points, obviously, been your line out over the first kind of block or first five, six games. How's it been for him? Because on the touchline, he looks like he's under pressure. Yeah. You talk to everyone, he's like cool as a cucumber, like get back in review. Like, how, what have the reviews been like? Since we had a short, very short preseason, uh, he sort of kept everything that we did the last couple of years with, uh, with Frank and, um, and Bernard. But the only thing that he changed was all the details that goes into whatever system that we have in place already. What he did is refine everything that we do the last couple of years, but we've got to precise, precise everything. 
that's probably the, the main thing that he changed when he came in. Our attack, you know, obviously Kilimon is very good at attacking with the ball, but he came in and identified some weaknesses weaknesses in our attack, and he changed changed a lot of things, you know, around the rock area, around our running lines, or the timing of you know timing of everything that we do in our attack. But uh, our reviews very short now, you know, he doesn't drag it out too long, but uh, he identified the problem straight away. If you know, and he's, he's sort of a guy that he calls people out, whether it's myself, whether it's Morgan Barra, whether it's anyone that you know played 50 tests for France, which is which is I think which is good. I think he doesn't play any favoritism around the team. Uh, I think it's uh, it's uh, if, if, if an old fella is not doing his job, then he'll pick that up in the review and be like, you know, uh, which is good for young fellas as well. If they if they feel like you know, Fritz is getting told off in the review, then I better get myself sorted as well. So and that would have been one of the biggest criticisms leveled at Frank Azema before he left, right? Was that he was quite matesy matesy with some of the old boys, yeah. and it was a bit easy and cushy. So, in terms of personality types, it's really different, right? This new brand of pressure for everyone can only be good for everybody going forward. Yeah, exactly. I think uh, Frank did well for the club for the last couple of years, but the last couple, I'll say, two years, I think he was getting too comfortable with the players. I'm not quite sure if if that was a good thing for you know for overall performance for the club. But when John came in, he he was sort of separating himself from everyone else. He's the boss. Everybody he, he told Diamond when Diamond came late in the reunion in the meeting one time. Obviously, Diamond's a big superstar, and he came late. He just rocked up. You know how Diamond's like. He's like you don't know what whatever excuse he had. And John asked him where he was, and he, and he said that oh, I sent a text to Neil. Neil was the manager that he's coming late. And John was like, okay, let let me tell you, everyone. Everyone in this room, if you ever come late, I'm the boss in the ASM now. Not Neil, not, not anyone in this room. I'm the boss now. So if you come late, you send me a message or you give me a call. <laughs> and I thought that was really important. Like everyone knew like, oh, John was, you know, he made business. Eh? But Frank, when, if Frank was there, he's, he won't do that. He will tell the player individually outside of the meeting instead of addressing it in front of everyone to make sure that everyone, you know, this is how we're going to do things around here now. That's probably why I was so excited about having Jono back. It's because he had those years. So he sort of experienced this for us firsthand. It's not like, you know, he got a memo yeah. when Franck left, you know, but this is how things, he saw it firsthand. And I think he knows that ASM is la belle endormie. ASM is a, is a sleeping giant. Yeah. There's absolutely everything to build a dynasty of, of, of victories, 150%. But sometimes it needs to be shaken up a little bit. Sometimes things need to be addressed in a bit of a, a volcanic way. Mm-hmm. And he's he's got some volcanic blood, Jono, from time to time. And if anything, that's what people wanted. I mean, that's what they went to get. And Damien Puno will tell you that, you know, he, he got, he probably got his hands, his fingers burned a little bit that day, but he, he, he likes that. And I think everybody likes that because Jono is not, he's, he's, he's a straight shooter, right? If yeah. he's got something on his mind, for one, his knees will be trembling up to his ears because he's, you know, he's like, oh, get, gets overstretched. So you can tell that he's he's about to blow up. But, but for two, he will address it eye to eye. And that's his type of mentality. So he doesn't speak much around the team, maybe in the media and all that, but in the, in, in, in the team meetings, 100%. And uh, that's what I've re- always really enjoyed with him. But like, Tim, Johnny, enough about Jono. 
Enough about John. He's, he's a legend, but enough about him. The whole idea of this show is also to sort of promote guys who are absolutely killing it in France. And you always came up as the number one sort of, you know, example. Why did Nick Abendelon do well as a foreigner in France? And why did Jamie Roberts, you know, was was his little brother came in here? And you rocked up and you smoked everyone. Uh, and uh, and hallelujah, they didn't give you a, a super rugby contract in, in the Chiefs because <laughs> it was the best thing that ever happened to ISM. Because I, I'll say that honestly, bottom of my heart, mate, and I've told this to you a couple of times, but you always need to bet on the guys who are there all the time. And the best thing that ever happened to ISM is that you were never picked internationally because you played for the sevens, I think, for the, for the Kiwis. Fantastic. That's the best thing that happened for us, not for you, obviously. And you were there day in, week in, week out, every single flipping day. And that's why I really do believe that you were, by a mile, the, the best player of sort of the, the, last, the last decade in that sort of de dedication, hard work, graft, just putting on shift after shift after shift for the boys. And, and it was brilliant. And on top of that, if you could tell the listeners what So how did you call your your last daughter but that means that you do love france and you do love wine and that's why i love you uh, and because his, his last daughter's name is margot so i'm like right, this guy this guy loves it here like you said i just got an opportunity to come over for three months you can say i was quite lucky you know i was quite lucky as well club was lucky but i was very lucky fortunate as well that i got an opportunity to to stay in france which is not many not many not many players from these only come come over and, you know, uh, play good rugby in France. I think uh, but the thing that I like most about France is probably the wine. I think uh, <laughs> I even named my daughter Margot. So that's how far I went. Um, when, when Benji left the club, he gave me his uh, little wine opener, little <laughs> traditional wine opener he carries himself. So uh, whoever gets that, sit at the back of the bus and, uh, yeah, be the chef of the bus. So... Uh, I still got it, Benji. Don't worry, I haven't lost it yet. But, uh, oh, man. Forget the captaincy and all of that. The Whoever's got the wine opener, that's the, the big role you want. That's it. <laughs> no, jo Johnny, Johnny, you know the best moments you spend in France is back of the bus after an away win, mate. Bloody hell. I mean, it's, it's got to be all the way up there. Yeah. Weirdly, one of my best, well, not best memory, but chalk and cheese memory was getting pumped with Bayonne. I, I think we played against you, Fritz. I got pumped something like 60, 70 points. One of the best points playing in Clermont is there's a McDonald's in the stadium. And yeah. so the, the sort of silver lining, it was so far gone, we were relegated. And as captain, the last thing I could do was like, right, I'll buy everyone a McDonald's. <laughs> the season's gone, but got Vincent Achetto let me get off, get everyone a, a Big Mac meal. And we got back on the bus to try and salvage a little bit of something because it was a tough day. But you, you're right, mate. The, it is. It's normally the troisième mi-temps, the, the best bits at the back of the bus, being able to share a glass of wine. Yeah. Normally, there's the front row that have brought their dodgy collection and their, their chinking luggage rucksacks on the way to the, the ground, um, and they supply the team. But it's one of the best bits. You said it's rare for a Kiwi to come over and play good rugby. Yeah. Um, but like having played the same position, you're pretty much one of the references in the number eight back row position over the past, past decade in the top 14. You've been there for 10 years. And Benji alluded to the fact that ASM were lucky, Claremont were lucky because you, you were tied to New Zealand. But is there any part of you having been here for nine years now, feeling a little bit French, you've mentioned Margot, your daughter's name. Would you have liked to have pulled on a blue jersey and represent France at some point? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a tough question. I think, uh, yeah, I would have, I would have if, I, if I had a chance. I think, uh, you know, if France gave me a chance to, 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 to represent them, I'll probably, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll probably say yes. Um, obviously, in New Zealand, there's so many talents and I thought, you know, my, my craft wasn't appreciated you know, um, 
back home and I thought, you know, I'll go somewhere else to look, you know, look somewhere else and see see if some other club out out in Europe can appreciate, you know, the player, I play me as a person and as a player as well. So, uh, like I said, I'm very fortunate that I came to a very good club like Claremont. Um, but you know, uh, by saying that, I didn't I didn't sit on my back and did nothing. I think I had to work hard and 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 you know train hard and trying to put myself out there because it's, uh, it's a very tough competition. I'm getting to the stage where there's young guys coming through and every year is tough for me because there's always someone younger, stronger, faster than me. But I think the thing that I that I have that I think that other players are lack, it's probably it's probably my mentality, how I, you know, I approach rugby. I think uh, I think it's something in me that when I play rugby, it's just, I don't know how to explain it, but it's just not fear anyone. I think, uh, and that's, that's something that, drives me every time. I think uh, it's probably the fear, the fear of missing out, I think, as well. Um, when I came through New Zealand, I missed out. The coach told me I'm not getting any sign. So that fear of me losing my job was probably my driven point as well. Uh, so when I came to Clermont, three months, I told myself, this is it, three months, I'll go home and find a real job. So uh, a lot of hard work went through that, but, you know, um, finally pay out. And for anyone who doesn't know your backstory, Fritz, you played sevens for New Zealand. So that captured you and meant not only could you not play for France after qualifying on residency, you couldn't play for Samoa where you were born either. Yeah. So, yeah, I did sevens with New Zealand for one year. I think 2010 I played for them and then I did Super Rugby. So that, that, uh, that changed my eligibility to play for any other country, I think, uh, which... Uh, People say that do you regret playing for New Zealand? And I say no, nah, I don't regret it because if I didn't go through that 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 route, I'll never be here as well. So as a, as a player, because it was a massive learning point for me in terms of being professional and you know the training obviously is tough training and the travel as well. So, but um, at one point I asked Clement if I can go to represent uh, Samoa, so I had to do the the sevens tournament. I think it was 2015, I remember. But uh, it was, uh, we didn't find any agreement with the club because at the time we were having so many European Cup games and the travel, if I do go do this, the Sevens tournament in Hong Kong, uh, mm-hmm. it was, so I ended up didn't go. So I thought that was my last chance of trying to pull my would you Would you try and roll that dice again? Because like obviously one of my ex-teammates you played with, Sitaleki Tamani, his, his younger brother Lopetti is just re-qualified to play for Tonga. Yeah. And with the World Cup coming around, there's like one last roll of a dice potentially for lots of Pacific Island players to potentially represent their country and, and be part of a 2023 World Cup. Is there any part of you that want to try and, and go a different route again and, and try re-qualifying or do you think that ship sailed? Yeah, I, I think they did the, the, the Monaco Sevens. I think that's the, that was the Olympic I think that was the last one, I think. Hopefully I'm not wrong. Um, but as any other players, you always want to play. I mean, you can play club as much as you can, but as any player, you always want to play international level. I think that's the ultimate goal is trying to represent, uh, you know, your country and on the worst stage. But I don't, I don't, I don't think I'll see myself um, with the timing, with my age. I think uh, you've got to play some luck in there, but um, I, don't, I don't think I'll see myself Going back to that route, I think uh, I, claim, I think Claymore's happy that I'm not playing international as well. So I think that's <laughs> that's another bonus for me as well. So they're not looking for another international. You know, when the international player comes here, they have to leave 
for so many weeks uh, back to their to their country. So I think uh, I think Clermont is pretty happy that I'm not tied in with any other country, which is it's good for for them, but it's good for me as well. They are definitely happy, and um, it's your ninth seasons with them, I think. And and you mentioned earlier you were only supposed to be there for three months, so it's a hell of a story. And at the stage of your career that you're at now. Can you see yourself playing for anyone else? Yeah, it was a funny story because I came to the end of my contract last year and I was trying to negotiate with the club. Uh, and there was actually a few other clubs that were interested with, especially the COVID, you were trying to look for the best deal that you have. There were a few clubs that were very interested with with better deal. But, you know, um, me and my wife would sit down, had a good, had a good chat and, you know, wave a lot of things that we... We, we want to do in the future with our kids and, and as a player as well, what, what sort of legacy you want to leave in the club that you came into. Um, I, think, I think for me, that was very important that I stay in Claremont to continue my... I want to show younger kids that you can, you can come from somewhere else and play in the club. You can stay here and show your loyalty. And, you can, and for me, it was, for me it was that, probably the, the main thing was stay in Claremont and continue my rugby here until I finish. And hopefully I'll finish in Claremont. I think... Uh, so that at the end, the club came back and pretty keen to, to sign me through with uh, with a couple more years. So um, I was quite happy with that because I didn't I, I didn't see myself, especially in France. I didn't see myself playing for any other club in France. I think uh, it's quite important for me to leave leave my footprint in Clermont. Hopefully, inspire some other kids, you know, around the world that if they want, you know, you can get a second chance and you can you can, you can play for a couple of years and. And make your mark uh, in the club, like Clermont. And when you do hang up the boots, are you staying in France? And any interesting coaching? We saw Jerome Kano finish up at Toulouse and yeah. coach the Espoirs. Anything like that? Me and Benji had a talk about this, so we're not. I'm not going to do so much, Benji. I'm, I'm going back to New Zealand, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a long kill list of those guys. Those guys that claim the showmatch but don't stay in France, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, 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 that's an end, end of the night, past a lot of Margot sort of type of discussion. Nah, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure yet. I'm, I'm going to do two years with Clement and then uh, hopefully, I'd love to, I'd love to hang, help out young kids coming through the academy, just give them some sort of expectation of what's, what's a professional rugby be like and, you know, give them a couple of tips of, you know, how to drink wine and how to pick wine and, <laughs> what's what's out there? So um, at the moment, I haven't decided what I'm going to do after rugby. But you know, I'm trying to focus on trying trying to get myself health healthy and, and continue playing. And yeah, you know, we've got to pay the bills. Hey, Benji, you're gonna have one more big extension, surely, with Jono and Claremont <laughs> before you retire. Another big last contract. But but take us back nine years ago. Everyone that's played with Benji, we asked for their first impressions. How did a young Benjamin Kayser take you under his wing? What were your first impressions of the bloke and how did you get on? Take us back to nine years ago. When I first met Benji, I'm like, man, it's this guy's English. I'm sure this guy's English. Because <laughs> <laughs> the way he's speaking, he's like, speak perfect English. And I was telling Raymond, oh, yeah, um, I met this English fellow in, in, in Claremont. And I was like, oh, you know, like, what's his name? Oh, Benji. I was like, oh, no, he's not, he's not English. You'll be offended if you tell him that. So, uh, no, he's a good fellow. Benji's a good fellow. Hey Benji, some good story around the bus. Man, we had, we had some good time. What's what's your best? What's your best? Um, forget about 2017 when we won, because that that was obviously big, right? That was absolutely big. But um, I've got one in my mind. What's sort of your second best memory of a huge, huge win with Clermont? 
depends. I think the best memory I had with you was, do you remember the New Year's against Toulouse? <laughs> we actually lost the game, but New Year's <laughs> on the bus. And uh, uh, we had some, you know, some some party in that, in that, that ride back. Five hours of crazy. That was I can't remember who bought those lights, you know, this thromboscope, you know, the, the, yeah, the, 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 lights, like, the light that would do that. So the back of the bus, man, there was no point of being on the Champs-Élysées in Paris. You just need to be on a stinky bus with six Samoans with their shirts off, you know, sweating like piglets after drinking too much wine. We were, we were in heaven. We didn't need much more. You know, we were happy there. No. But no, no, we, mate, we've, we've had some proper big wins. Winning Munster in Munster, winning Saracens in Saint-Étienne. Shit, there's been some proper battles. And, and but there's been some fantastic nights in a bus in your cave, in my cave. Wherever it is, as long as there's, you know, happy times, a good bottle of wine in the middle, some good yeah. bloody memories in there, we always have that. Benji was my translator when I first arrived, actually. <laughs> if I want to sort anything out with orange or any, any electric, ring up Benji, Benji, can you try it? So I had two phones like this, putting it together so that, you know, whoever's online will speak to Benji. So uh, Did he sort out your Wi-Fi for you? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Are you in your cave now, Benji? Man, I've I've ended up on I'm on the floor with my phone plugged in because I heard you when as soon as I got connected I heard I want to leave a footprint well I think I left my footprint on my Wi-Fi uh, sort of <laughs> box or something I absolutely killed it tough times Fred tough times you said about two years just hang in there as long as you can buddy hang in there the real jungle is after <laughs> but now for the symbolic forget about forget about the the, the the big wins I mean we said Munster Munster was enormous I remember you passing the ball to, in the quarterfinal against uh, Naikatasi. When you, you went like this, you know, you were doing that, that machine gun sort of rolling bumps. <laughs> I've only got happy memories of you busting your ass for the team, putting a lot of sweat, a lot of blood on that jersey. And I was I was privileged to to share the field with you. But um, for my last game, 2019, top 14 final, you're captain of ASM. Jerome Kano is captain of Toulouse. We did, uh, what's it called again? The, was it? The Bati. You know, that, that, that Joe used to do and stuff. So you do the Batia, whatever, all the Samoan claps. So there was a real embrace. And the two teams who basically embraced the most, that hybrid uh, multinational culture, or all of a sudden the two teams that went to the final. Was that sort of an extra element of you saying, because I know obviously you, you, you're, you're Kiwi, but you're a proud, proud Samoan in your heart. And you want to represent it, you know, all, all the way up there. It was there a sense of accomplishment of saying, not only am I playing well, but on top of that, I've been accepted for who I am for who I really am, you know, for who I am deep inside. And, and the opposition, opposition team sort of did the same thing with Jerome. Was that, I don't think I ever asked you that question, but was that something extra, extra special, even though we lost? Yeah, yeah, we lost. Apart from the year, everything was special, I think. Now, for me, captaining that, that team that went into the final was massive. I mean, I look, at, I look back to my career from my first arrival. I'm like, I could never imagine myself captain Claymore. You know, I've seen some amazing players that we've seen Clement, you know, Benji, Benji himself as well, you know, uh, the Julian Bonnier, Jamie Cutmore, you know, all those fellas. And I, I could never imagine myself captain the team in the final. And uh, I thought, I thought I was very, I was too emotional in that game because, you know, obviously I wanted to beat Toulouse, obviously Toulouse, Clement, and all the survival and then you have Jerome Kainel who's another Samoan guy that's captain the, the Toulouse team. So, uh, I couldn't handle my emotion before the game, but it was very special. I think it's something I'll always keep keep fairly in my heart with, uh, even though we didn't win the game, but, you know, the whole week 
that we had during just before the final was was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career as well uh, to captain Clermont in the final, uh, regardless of you know we lost the game. But, uh, having you, Benji, behind me was you know made my job easier as well. I thought I thought when you left, sort of there's a massive having someone like you around the club made my job easier when I was a captain as well. You, in terms of you know not only translating my emotions to the boys, but you know uh, just having your your experience around. I thought uh, I thought we quite missed that when, when before Jomo came. Couldn't have gone either way as well that, to lose game, but uh, we live we live to fight another day. So and Ben, you mentioned winning it in 2017 together. Does it feel like this current crop under Jono has the possibility to go all the way again or not? Um. Not quite yet. No, I think we're not quite yet to that point where I think that 2017 was a very special team, eh, Benji. Going to games, we knew exactly we're gonna not we're not I'm not trying to be cocky, but we from the semi from the quarterfinals to the finals, we were very confident. We were gonna go in, trust everything that we have, and we came with the result. Except when we played Saracen in the final, we lost. We thought that we had a good chance to, you know, win that European Cup. But then we would play the final. I thought before the final, I knew, I knew, I, I knew this group has something special in, in them. You know, they can push, push the boundaries. They can push through dark places. Um, and I think that's what that's what the new the new guys coming through need to to learn through. You know, um, it's especially tough for man. You got you got to find your dark place when you play tough games. You got to really really dig in because at some point your your skill level your your mental you know, capacity can hit a wall, and that's when you start pushing through to beyond that. I think uh, I think that's what the group of players that we have now they still have a bit of room to 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 experience some tough times. I think, uh, but like saying before 2017, we lost how many finals before then? So it's, it's almost like a whole like a trend of three years. And the, that was the consequences we won in 2017. You know, we lost all the finals, the pressure. But I think, uh, I'm not quite sure, we're still learning with the group that we have now, with Jono coming in, I think, uh, with the new systems that we have. I think, uh, but I think time, I believe that this group can can take it a little bit further as well, like like we did in 2017. I think uh, we had sort of a mix of older guys and younger guys coming through. Which is the same thing that we have in seventeen. We had, you know, Raka, very young fella, and then we had Damien as well. And then there was a couple of old old, old fellas in that in that team as well. So it was a good mix of experience and and inexperienced uh talent that came through. Thanks so much for coming on, Fritz. It's great to hear the passion for Claremont really coming through and one more big contract, I reckon, before you <laughs> Easy. Easy. I might just jump on the show Marsh, hey, but you reckon? Right. You keep those boots laced, laced up. I'll stay in France. <laughs> you're, you're not going anywhere. You're French in your you're French in your heart now, mate. I know it. But whatever you decide to do, I know that you've got the ethic to do things right. So as long as it's good for your family, don't even think twice about me. Just do it, man. Thank you. Keep in touch, huh? Cheers, my man. I'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers, big fella. We've been doing this for over a year, and every single time when we started, I kept on telling you the idea is to sort of present. And explain, you know, why foreign guys make it or don't. There's something special about top 14. It's, there's a, it's a special delicacy. It doesn't, it doesn't fit 
for everyone. It's not, you know, your mentality is important. Who you are as a person is important. How do you apprehend and, and, and consume and deliver your rugby is very important. How do you behave as a bloke? What do you expect from life and family and whatever? You know, there's, there's a lot of things. And, and Fritz, Fritz is one of those guys who completely got the heart of France pretty much straight, straight away, um, who through hard work and through not a lot of speaking, so a lot of action, uh, won the heart of all the Clermont fans. And like I said, for Clermont, if you try to find a better player over the last 10 years, purely for Clermont, maybe not 10 years, because I think he's been the club, what, eight or nine? Nine. But trying to find the, the, the best player, you know, pound for pound, post Aurélien Rougerie and stuff sort of moments. Morgan Parr was up to 2010 when they won it and 17, he was just unkillable. But, but Fritz was there every single game. So whenever there was, you know, the Six Nations, he would be man of the match three times for those Dublin. Whenever there's November Test, he would be man of the match once or twice. We've got a board in Clermont, which is like best young, you know, best revelation, best player, best player, something like that. And he had best player. It was like players, best player. You know what I mean? Uh, I think two or three seasons in a row. And the first season he had it when he was medical joke, he rocked up in October, nobody even knew who it was. He, he, he took this club by a storm. He's not the biggest, he's quite fast, but he's got an extraordinary good hands for a number eight. He could easily play 12. He's got incredible technique and bloody hell does he tackle hard. I mean, he will chop people in half and he's definitely not the strongest, not the biggest, not the fittest, but but he's, he's got great technique about him. So now I'm I'm, I really consider myself fortunate to have uh, bounced shoulder, rub shoulders with him, call him a brother, call him a teammate. He's a, he's a good boy, good family man who's, who I, I was um, chuffed to see even grow as a person, as a player. Well, Fritz could be in for a big game this weekend because last week's guest, he had a hell of a game, didn't he? Francis Saeli, two tries, Beeritz hammered brief, 37-9. Went well, didn't it? Franny got a doubly. He also set up Henry Spate for a cracker down the wing as well. They absolutely hammered Bree five tries past them. But strangely, the standout for me, Benji, I'm not sure how much you've seen of him, but Johnny Dyer, the Fijian back row that plugs in at second row, is like an absolute phenomenon, like ball carrying. Between him and Steph Armitage, I don't know how many turnovers they get, but they're just unreal in the contact area. And Beeritz, who I thought would struggle are actually killing it. They're doing really well. They've lost at home to Toulouse, but the manner in which they played and how they beat Breve in that comprehensive fashion, like it looks really good. They look like they're having fun. Um, the sun's out. It's going to change when winter comes in. It's going to be a different type of game they're going to have to play over the next couple of months. It's going to be hard graph, but some of them have been absolutely phenomenal to watch. Absolutely superb one against Breve at the weekend. Yeah, they're a brush of, of fresh air, uh, Baritz. There was always this... this um this, how do you say, respect, the, not even the spectrum, but whatever, this light of of, of having a re- repetition of Agen, who hallelujah won a game, apparently I saw. Yes. Um, you know, not not like what, scoring two points last season in, in top 14 in the whole entire season. So there's always this thing, Beritz qualifying after losing to Pro, Pro de the final and then qualifying the extraordinary matter. Uh, recruitment is absolutely last minute. When you consider Perpignan struggling a little bit, you know, you were really, really scared and concerned for Beritz. They killed it in the opening, I think, two rounds, didn't they? Yep. they? They won consecutively. Then they had a few shockers. And this one against Brief, who are going to be relatively within reach of, of the bottom uh, for them. It, it was a massive, massive win. Just shows you have to go to Ibiza. That's what Perpignan didn't do right. He didn't get that trip to Ibiza. <laughs> you mentioned them, Benji. I know it's only Predator, but Arajan going to Ibiza? First win in 600 days. <laughs> they need, I don't know, mate. I they don't need know, Ibiza. Mate, they, they need Vegas. <laughs> Roll them all in. 
they need a coach because I mean, yeah. one day it's 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 one team, and then Bernard Ruta, the former former fourth coach, is going to go. And I spoke to Frank uh, Azima the the other week, and he was a bit peed off actually because they did because Clermont. I don't know what they're doing, but they prevented Bernard from going because he's meant to go to New Orleans. To uh, Clermont have taken I think ten percent stake in the new in New Orleans Gold. I think it's called or something like that. The MLR uh, franchise, and he was m- meant to go from January to help them for a couple of months and stuff, which would be a fantastic opportunity for him. But then, when something pops up before to take on a big responsibility in Asia, and he joined Clermont from Colomiers, and he did a great job in Colomiers in second division, so it would have been exactly what he needed. And they, they they're blocking it, so this is a shame. And Johnny Cast, they've been Toulouse's bogey team in recent years, haven't they? But not this weekend. Not this weekend. <sighs> Hell of a performance strong. that. Yeah, it was. And, and Dupont, as, as Benji mentioned earlier, like set up two tries out of nothing. Um, everything he touches is absolute golden minute. Creative, sniping around rucks, into Mac, Peter Key as well, on fire behind a pack that's dominant. And to be honest, Cass just had no answer. And it's strange because traditionally, like having played in those games before, Cass, it's your local derby. It's the most important game of the year. It's the one the fans really get up for, but just they just had no answer to the power and precision of Toulouse, they were just insanely good and far too good for Cast at the weekend. And did either of you think Montpellier would go away to Racing and win? Uh, there's, there's an intercept, sort of intercept try by Kobe Srenak, who legged it, what, 55 minutes or something. Racing a bit a bit up and down, and, and Montpellier, look, they, they, they've been a bit shaky at the start. When they've got everybody in the field, they are a proper team. Dark horses. Squads. They, they, they are pro- so I still don't see them trusting the number one slots out. Huh? I don't see the type of production that even racing from time to time are able of doing, of Bordeaux are able of performing. Of sometimes glimpses of what Stade Francais is capable of, of showing and what Toulouse are doing week in, week out. Mm. Uh, they're still not there. And then obviously there's Clermont Lyon and stuff. But, but on the good day, on the aggressive day, uh, with a great line-out, um, uh, d- defensive line-out, uh, with guys who are ready to work hard for each other and work for a full 80, poof, they, they, they are a proper team and they're, they're, they're one of those teams that are no fun to play against. And I think as well, people forget how hard it was after Vern left where they were solid. You know, they were hard to, they finished first in the regular season. They didn't quite win when Vern was there, but they were hard to beat. They were combative. They dominated everyone that year, but they didn't quite get over the finish line. Then Xavier Garbajosa comes in, it does not go well and it wasn't a happy camp. But now like a more settled coaching group added a few different little players and just that general fact that they're happy and settled, they look like they're having more fun on the pitch. And like Kobus Reinach, like you mentioned, that 55-meter interception where he gassed both wingers and stripped the number eight of the ball from the base of the scrum in front of the, the Springbok coach. Like, that was one moment of the game. But generally, they're exciting again. Like, And they've been a little bit disappointing for a couple of seasons. But like I think potential dark horses to sneak into the top six. Again, when you look at the budget they have, the players they've got, the caliber of people they've got at their disposal, I mean, they're back where they should be, a top six, top eight team, because they've got a serious amount of firepower. And we spoke about Toulon's woes last week and how Patrice Colazzo is in trouble. They lost 39-6 at La Rochelle. So how close to the brink is he? I, I think there's big, big, yeah. He's, he's under pressure. My mate Julian Dupree is under pressure. Um, they're all under pressure. Daniel Lemith is clearly not happy. He's created a whole new training center, which is beautiful. This big, big investment. He's just wanting to to get paid. And there's a good side. There's there's a good squad. There's a couple of injuries that are very. Mate, there's a lot of them at the moment. 
But last year was the same. Last year, they were struggling with injury all the time. It's not just bad luck. Maybe there's something around the conditioning, there's something around the training method, methodology, the, the player hygiene. I don't know what it is. But they, 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 it doesn't seem to be clicking their way. So I heard last week that he, when they, they, they lost, he actually said that it was sort of something, it was almost a, a positive loss because something clicked, something happened. They could have let go. They fought till the end. Uh, the players spoke to each other. There was a big row about it. But then when you lose by 36 away, it's, it's, it's complicated. So I, I don't want to believe it, but I'm afraid something might happen. They were, hum- like again, that was the game I worked on for Premier, Premier Sports last night. They were properly humpty, like awful to watch. And La Rochelle were decent, don't get me wrong, but they didn't have to work that hard for their 30, 40 points they put on them. And like even weird things, I, I know there's the, Injury list, like they don't have Olivon, Serrat, Itzabeth, Colby, Parise. Like the injury list and the quality that they have done without is insane. Like we said, it's a little injury list, but there's something like 12 or 13 top level players out. You have to remember, they didn't have a preseason because all their players were away on tour or they were playing in that sevens tournament. They didn't manage to do one preseason fixture. But I don't know, it just seems that Colazo is compounding these little things and shooting himself in the foot. Like last night for the game, they chose the Georgian Gigashvili. At hooker, he's never played a game there professionally. Yeah, but he didn't have a, he didn't have a choice. He yes. did. He he let Ooh. um he let um Bastian Suri go to Biarritz last week. Yeah, okay. yeah and okay. then yeah. and then this week he also had Soseni Fergai, the American international. He's got like ten caps for America on the bench. At hooker, like he does have options, but he chose to put Gigashvili at hooker. They lost pretty much seventy percent of lineouts. He didn't know how to hook the ball at scrum time, so they didn't have any set piece. So like all of that, they fell apart. And then whenever they did have the ball, they just kind of looked headless and aimless. And it was a bit sad that that was the honest impression I got watching the game was they just looked flat. They didn't know what their direction was and they weren't together at all. So like Freddie Misart coming in, he said he's not coming to take the place of somebody. He's coming in as a consultant two or three days a week. He doesn't even see himself in full-time coaching, but you get the impression like the, the Toulon fans, like if you see on like social media, like after Colazo announced Gigashvili, a hooker, you know, they were saying, oh, no, we can't wait to see Colby at second row. This is great. Um, the president's already called him out in the press three weeks ago, then reassured him his job's still there, and it's a bit back and forth. But when that's happening in public, it doesn't smell good. So look, it's not good. And you don't want to see people losing their jobs, but a change has to happen. It does feel like we end every show at the moment talking about Toulon and Patrice Colazzo, but could be big news. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Benji. Fritz says he's on to the Claremont president about your Wi-Fi. So next week will be much better. <laughs> and a big thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass as well as on YouTube. Enjoy the top 14 on Premier Sports this weekend. And we will be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers. See you, fellas. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.